Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Every generation wants to know that the next generation will not fail. I remember saying to my father one time, Dad, I want to be just like you. And my dad said to me, he said, son, I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. I think that's, the, that's what every father wants. Can I get an amen? And today, we are blessed to have a young man preach to us from Austin, Texas, Brother Joe Zerpoli is going to minister in the Word tonight, this morning. And I just want to say this. this I, I've known this young man only for a few months, sometimes for several days at a time, and we have had deep, deep conversations. And I can tell you, this is a person of character and a person of humility. And you're going to get to hear from God today again. So get your ears open Get behind the preaching of the word. Glean from it and say, God, speak to me. Don't speak to my wife. Don't speak to my kids. Speak to me. All right? Brothers Zerpoli, come and minister the word. God bless you. We're glad you're with us. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we give that praise to Jesus Christ? Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, God, for your presence in this house. Hallelujah. We feel your spirit, God. We feel your anointing here. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. Amen. What a beautiful worship service. Amen. Amen. I could just, I could just worship all day long. What a great job by the musicians and the singers in ushering us in. Amen. To the presence of God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad we serve. As Brother, Brother Kylie said, we serve a risen Savior. Amen. Amen. The enemy's been defeated and death could not hold him down. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we give him a praise for that? Thank you, Jesus. You are so faithful, God. You're so good, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Thank you, God, for your presence. Amen. You can be seated uh, for a moment. I just want to uh, start off. Oh, there's mints here. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Jacob gave me some, got me some coffee this morning. I've been killing Brother Kylie with my breath, I'm sure. Thank you, Pastor and Sister Kylie, so much uh, for the invitation to come speak to the great, great people of God. Thank you, church, for allowing me to come speak to you. I think it was announced that I would, I would come and you showed up, amen? So, so that says something about you and your character. Thank you so much for allowing me to come. I believe that God has given me a word for this congregation. I believe that God's given me a word for me, amen? And as I preach, I want you to know I'm preaching to myself, amen, as well as you. Thank you, church family, for having me. I believe you're going to get your needs met today. I believe that. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And Jesus Christ is here today. Amen. We felt his presence during worship. And there's no use dressing up, right? Taking a Sunday, get out of bed early, and to come to the house of God, dress up real nice, to just come and sit, right? There's no use just to leave the same way that you came but we come for a purpose right amen amen we that's that's our life's goal that's our life's desire we want to we want to feel like we've we've done something right of value like we've like we fulfilled some type of a purpose right so i don't want to just come to the house of god and waste two or three hours right i want to get in and give it all that I have. I want to give Jesus the praise that he deserves. And as you take care of the king's business, he is going to take care of your business. I guarantee it. Amen. 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 And before I begin, I want you to know, I do want you to know that I understand the importance of your time. I really do. 
your time is very valuable. It's that precious commodity that we just can't get back, right, after we've spent it. It's passing, it's fleeting. The Bible says we're here today, gone tomorrow. Life is but a vapor. And so I want you to know that I, I do value your time. And so I've prayed. I've prayed earnestly, and I've asked the Lord, please give me a word for your people. Amen, I don't take it for granted, and I don't take it lightly. I'm a full-time student as well as work full-time, and so I know that hours are precious, right? And you gotta make the most of your time. So I just want you to know before I start that I, I value you. Amen. Amen. If you'll stand together for the reading of the word. Amen. I just want to turn to uh, Matthew 13. I didn't give the media a heads up. Um, it's okay if you, if you can get there, great. If not, it's okay. Matthew chapter 13. Amen. And uh, we're going to go to verse 45. Verse 45 and verse 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Amen. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your tender mercy. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given us to come to your house, to hear your word, to receive your word, God, with open minds and open hearts, Lord. We've, we've come to you in worship, God. We worship you in spirit and in truth, God. Lord, come on, if you'll pray with me, don't, don't, don't just let me pray, but you pray out too, Lord. We, we want you, Lord Jesus, to anoint your word, God. Your, your word's already anointed, but anoint the messenger, God. Anoint me, God, as I bring the word of God to the people of God. Lord, help us, Lord, to receive it, Lord, with an open heart. And by faith, Lord Jesus, plant that seed, God on good ground. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, we give you all the praise and worship and glory. Yes, God, come on, can we magnify him? Can we just lift him up? God, we give you praise. Hallelujah, we worship you, Jesus. And here I am to worship, and here I am to bow down. Sing it with me. Here I am to say that you're my God. Oh, yes. Because you're all together lovely. You're all together worthy. And all together wonderful to me. Sing it again. Oh, here I am to worship. We worship you, God. Here I am. Yes, I bow down, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. That's your... You're my God, Lord, and you're all together. Yes, you are, Lord. Hear the praises of your people this morning, God. We desire you, Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Oh, one more time. Can you sing that one more time? Here I am. Hallelujah. Oh, he loves to hear your worship. Hallelujah, King of kings. Lord of lords, we submit ourselves to you. Hallelujah. Thank you for all you've done, God. Yes, Lord. You're all together worthy, Lord. You're wonderful. You're wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin. Hallelujah. Do you feel that way this morning? I'll never know. I'll never know, Lord, how much it costs to see my sin. Hallelujah. Oh, I'll never know, Lord, and I'll never know just how much it costs, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, presence of the living God. 
Oh, one more time. Said I'll never know how much. Hallelujah. Oh, that's beautiful, church. That's beautiful. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and praise him? Thank you, Jesus, for your spirit, God. Thank you for meeting us here, Lord. It's because of you that I live, Lord. It's because of you that I have breath in my body. It's because of you that I can give you praise and glory this morning. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. You are my king. You are my healer. You are my savior. You are my deliverer, God. I love you with all my heart, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to serve you with all that I have, God. I'm going to serve you with everything inside of me, God. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you for your presence, King of Kings. Hallelujah. It was uh, 2011. The Dallas Mavericks won the championship that year. If anybody, any one of you uh, follow basketball, a certain player was on that team that I, that I enjoyed. Jason Kidd was my favorite player. And uh, he's a really, really good player. He's a coach now of your Milwaukee Bucks, as a matter of fact. But in 2011, he was an old man still playing, <laughs> old in basketball. Um, and uh, so me and my friend, we live in Austin, and uh, Dallas is about a, it's a short three-hour three trip. So we decided to go up there. I wanted to see him play before he retired. If, uh, if you don't agree with that, I'm sorry, just... Tune out, tune me out here, okay? <laughs> we went up there to see him play, and they were playing the Houston Rockets. And it wasn't really, well, let me back up. I was going to say it wasn't really a good game. It was okay that Dallas won by 10 or whatever. But, but the really cool part is that we got to sit, oh, probably 10 or 12 rows back, right, behind the, behind the backboard. And that was, a good, that was a good seat. Well, we got there early because we wanted to... Uh, you know, just check out the games or whatnot that was going on before the actual game. So we got there early, and then people filed in. Nice, really nice older couple came and sat right by me on my left side. And we, we got to talking and, uh, you know, just telling each other where we're from. Well, during that time, you know, they, I don't know if you've ever been to a game, but they, you know, they get the crowd excited, and they have little games going on. They have a blimp. In the, uh, in the air, and it's coming by, and it drops, you know, little gift cards or little coupons, right? Free, uh, this one in particular was a $25 to Chili's. Anybody like Chili's? <laughs> and I never win anything. How many of you are like me? You never win anything, right? <laughs> and so, but this was my moment, because that thing was coming right above my head, right? And it was dropping those freebies, and I was excited, I was excited. I said, this might just be. I might just have my chance. Amen. So it comes closer and it's dropping. It's just dropping these things. Like, I don't know, five, ten at a time. $25 to Chili's. And so me and my friend got ready, right? And it's, it's over and it's dropping. And man, they're just, and they come down their little coupons. So they just flutter in the air, you know, and the AC moves them around. And so it was right above my head. And I could see it, it was coming right down, and then it starts going this way, just a little backwards, right? And so I'm like, I'm not going to miss my chance. Lord, this is my chance <laughs> for chilies, right? I'm not going to miss my opportunity. And it starts going backwards. So I turn around in my seat, and there's, you know, it's just a seat like this. And so I turn around in my seat, and I'm leaning, I'm trying to get it. And this guy in front of me, at the very last second, I had my hands on it, just snatched it from my hands. Well, as he did that, I mean, I was, I was going all in, like I said, right? And as he did that, I fell over the back of the seat like this. And there was some commotion, you know, obviously, I, I was a little embarrassed, you know. For $25, the guy looks like a fool. What would you do for $25, right? And so I fell over the back of the chair it took me a minute to get up, and I heard all this commotion around me. I figured it was a guy celebrating. He was going to take his family out to Chili's afterwards, right? And I was so upset. I was like, that joker, I had that. I had it. And so I get up, and, uh, 
you know, straighten myself out. And I turn around and the lady beside me is like, she's just yelling in my ear. I really don't know what, I didn't know what happened. If I had heard her or what. And uh, I looked, I turned and looked and I saw somebody I'd never seen before. Some of you think it was an angel, right? <laughs> I saw somebody I'd never seen before. And then it took me probably, you know, a good five seconds. They don't call me slow Joe for nothing. That I knocked her wig off. <laughs> I knocked her wig off. I'll t- and this is before the game, folks, all right? Before the game. I mean, if it was after the game, we could just go, right? Let's get out of here. I knocked the poor lady's wig off. And her husband was sitting me, you knocked my wife's wig off. Well, needless to say, I was even more embarrassed. And what can you do, right? I apologized profusely. And everybody, you know, that was sitting around was just looking at me like, yeah, how could you knock her wig off? What? <laughs> How could you do something like that? And uh, yeah, she was, she was bald. She was bald. I felt so bad for the poor lady. They were so sweet to me just seconds before. And, uh, you know, I couldn't apologize enough, right? You just feel this low, right? All for $25. I felt so bad. And so I, you know, just kept apologizing, just kept checking up on her. You know, the game finally started and they were sitting there, you know, you could tell that it was just, it was awkward, but I didn't know what to do. And about, oh, halfway through the second quarter, they got up and left. And it just, that hurt me, right? I mean, it's a funny story today. And the poor lady's probably forgotten about it. She doesn't care, right? But at that moment, right? I mean, she lost something, she lost something special, okay? And everybody around her knew it. What would you do for $25? You've heard the, you've heard the question before and you've been asked before, what would you do for a million dollars? What would you do for a million dollars? Well, I think some of us would go to some pretty far lengths for a million dollars, right? You say, man, I could retire. I'd be all right. Put that in the bank. It'd be fine, right? Wouldn't have to work. Would you step into the ring with Mike Tyson for $1 million? <laughs> no way? Well, and, and a lot of times when you're asked that question, you start automatically to give conditions, don't you? Well, yeah, on one condition, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe when I step into that ring with Mike Tyson, I might try it. I don't know. I might try If somebody really offered me a million dollars, I might try to do it. But... Yeah, I would immediately give conditions. Maybe before the fight, you know, when, they, when they're glaring at each other with their, with their boxing gloves together, you know, and they're saying under their breath, I'm going to eat you alive, you know, I'm going to kill you. Maybe as they're doing that, I can say, hey, Mike, uh, you know what, if you just want to pretend to punch me, I'll fall out on the ground. You can take your 20 million for the fight and I'll just take mine and we'll go home. Everybody be happy. Quick knockout, right? Well, if you know Mike Tyson, that probably wouldn't, he probably wouldn't go for that. He probably would want to kill you, right? Well, we always offer these conditions. Well, yeah, but, right? Or maybe if that didn't work, I could just run around like a crazy animal, just trying to get away from him. Every punch he threw, I'd just run around, run around in circles, right? Until I wore him out, until all 12 rounds, right, are over. It probably wouldn't work either, would it? But we've often wondered, what risk would I take for that amount? Have you ever been in a situation where you were outmatched? Anybody ever been in a situation you, you knew you were outmatched? Amen. I have. Maybe you didn't have a, a particular skill set necessary to offer a worthwhile challenge, right? No matter what you tried, you knew that the outcome was not going to end well. You've been there? Any, of, any, any graduates this year? If you've graduated, you've been through 13 years of school, high school, you've been through 13 years of school, you, you know, all right, that, that there are challenges there. And sometimes, sometimes you're not always prepared for those challenges, right? An exam will come. You know the exam's coming, right? 
and you keep putting it off. Yeah, I'll get to studying for that. And about a day before, right, you realize I haven't studied. And so that the morning of the exam, you say, oh, Lord, please help me, right? Anoint my mind, right? You offer some measly prayer that you know the Lord's not going to honor that, right? As you didn't do your part. Or maybe, maybe you've been challenged. Or maybe well, I'll, I'll skip over that one. Perhaps you've participated in a sport. Anybody, any, anybody played sports? Perhaps you, uh, you played sports maybe when you were younger and you played a team that was just bigger, badder, stronger, right? And uh, they looked like giants. They played like giants, right? They were the New York Giants <laughs> for all intents and purposes, right? You, you, you could not, you just knew this is, this is bad. We're not gonna win this. Well, Cumberland College knows how you feel. Tell me, you've probably heard this story before. It's been almost 100 years. Nearly 99 years ago, on October 7th, 1916, Georgia Tech's football team, coached by John Heisman, the legendary John Heisman, would not let Cumberland College off the hook. He was the coach of Georgia Tech. Cumberland discontinued their football program before the start of the 1916 season, but forgot to inform Georgia Tech who they were scheduled to play. So Coach Heisman of Georgia Tech was seeking revenge, right? They had played a baseball game a year earlier, and Cumberland just demolished Georgia Tech 22 to 0. 22 to 0 in a baseball game, and that's, that's a pretty good whooping. Well, Heisman remembered that, and he said, I'm going to pay you back. So Heisman gave Cumberland an ultimatum. He said, you either play the game that you're scheduled, or you pay the $3,000 forfeit fee. And back in 1916... That's a lot of money, right? Play the game, pay, play or pay up. So Cumberland had no choice, really. They were forced to throw together a sad group of fraternity brothers to play the game, and the rest is history. Look this up. This is a true story. After just the first quarter, Georgia Tech led 63-0. to <laughs> By halftime... Only 126 to zero. All right. At the end of the third quarter, they were only ahead by the slimmest of margins, 180 to zero. And then by the end of the game, 222 to zero in a football game. I would say Cumberland was outmatched, would you? They were pretty outmatched. There's a common denominator with some of these these stories that I'm sharing with you today. And what is that? It is that someone or something was the victor and somebody, somebody was dominated, right? Dominate. To dominate means to have or to exert strong authority or mastery. Dominate means to control to govern or rule by superior authority or power. To exert a a supreme guiding influence over another. To enjoy a commanding, controlling position. Doesn't seem to be any leeway with that, does there? Right? When it says controlling and authoritative, right? There's, There's really no room for anything else. When you hear the word dominate, that's what you think. If you'll allow me, there is another more modern day term that you may have heard used before, and they use it in sports a lot. I've, I've heard it said um, that when somebody's really dominating the competition, they'll say, hey, I owned you. Have you heard that before? I owned you, all right? If you're talking smack back and forth. To say that you dominated someone or to say that you owned someone, you did not just win by the skin of your teeth, right? But you, you embarrassed them. Cumberland was embarrassed by Georgia Tech. And really, the team should not have been on the same field. Honestly, somebody sh- could have gotten hurt, sincerely, uh, seriously hurt. You know, there's a war that's going on. From the beginning of time, there's been a war of good versus evil, right? The adversary of every man and woman wants nothing more than to completely destroy everything that is good. Amen? The Bible gives us clear description of our enemy. 
Don't be fooled. Don't be naive. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. Check this out. 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Devour. Completely destroy. 1 John I'm sorry, John chapter 10, verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is Jesus talking. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Amen? In other words, the enemy of your soul is out to own you. He's out to own you. The enemy of your soul is not out to play a game. He's out to own, right? The war of good versus evil seems more bloody today than it ever has been before. You know, you just have to pull up the news. The attack on morality seems more overwhelming today than it has ever been. Is that right? Do you feel that? But I want want to proclaim the good news to you today. Amen. Do not be discouraged. God Almighty is still on the throne. Amen. Like we sang. He's already won the victory. He's already won the victory over Satan in the most embarrassing and dominating fashion. Can you imagine if you were the devil and you had Jesus on a cross and you said, it's finished, it's over. He's dead. And not even death can hold Jesus Christ. Amen, he's already dominated your competition, the enemy of your soul. Amen, praise the Lord for that. Amen. In the opening passage that I read to you, again, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now what immediately comes to your mind when you think of that? Most of us think immediately of our relationship with God when we have found a pearl of great price, right? Amen. Another, another commentary puts it this way. I'll read this to you. Gill's exposition commentary says it like this. This parable could also be understood as Jesus Christ being the one seeking, finding, and purchasing his elect people. After all, we were lost in going astray. He sought after you and me. Jesus Christ ex- expressed his great love to us by showing how much he valued and desired us. He took much pains and used much diligence to find us with redemption. You and I were his pearl of great price. Some of you think you're not worth anything this morning, but Jesus Christ sold everything that he had to purchase you. You, individually. I know when I sit in a crowd and I hear a preacher before, you know, as I'm listening to the word of God go forth, I do believe it, right? I I believe it for my neighbor. But I'm telling you, personally, he did it for you. Amen? We were so precious to God, so highly esteemed by Christ as his portion, his inheritance, and his jewel. He gave up all that he had for the sake of you and me, He became poor, emptied himself of everything, even gave himself a ransom for us. He bought us with the price of his own innocent blood. Praise God. You see, what I'm saying to you today, that faith has to first own us before we can own it. And God does own us. Jesus Christ already took the first million steps toward us, amen? And all he wants, all he requires is one simple step towards him, amen? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto you, amen? He's already done the work. He woke you up this morning, amen, and brought you to the house of God, amen? You have the opportunity today to give all to God and it requires just a first step, amen? We've been bought with a price, the very blood of Jesus Christ. We are owned by the one who paid the price for us. Jesus Christ sold out completely so that he could own us. He gave everything. Romans 8, from the NIV, I'll read 835. You know this passage well. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, I think that about covers it, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. What a promise of God. Amen. We claim that promise this morning. Praise the Lord. Nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God. No, in all these things, what do you say? We're more than conquerors. What does that mean, Paul? What are you saying? We're more than conquerors. How can you be more than a conqueror? Amen. I think you wanted to establish the point. You're not just a conqueror. You have completely owned Satan, right? Jesus Christ paid the price so that you could do such a thing. And God requires that we do that, that we own our faith. Amen. He requires that we own our faith. You know, there's a difference between renting and owning, isn't there? Anybody ever rented a property before? All right. Well, when you rent, you can just kind of walk away, right? In August, in the middle of August, in another week and a half, I'm walking away from my rent. I've paid my dues and I'm out of there, all right? And I don't have to worry about anything else. But you can't just walk away from something if you own it, can you? Oh, you can, but you're gonna pay a big, big price, right? You can't just walk away from a home that you purchased and let, let the weeds grow up around it and say, ah, forget the mortgage, right? You can't do that. Why? Because you're invested. You're invested. And there's a difference between renting and owning. There's a difference between involvement and investment. You can be involved in your local body, in your local church, right? You can be involved in the praise and worship service. You can be involved even in the preaching, right? But there's, there comes a time if you're invested, you can't just pull back, right? And a lot of us find ourselves in the involvement phase, in the renting phase, yeah, we come and we enjoy the presence of God, but God requires that we own our faith. Amen? Not just rent it, but own it. That we invest in this thing. That we invest in this thing. Amen? When you own something, it's different. You're all in. Hear me when I say that living for Jesus Christ requires everything. Jesus said it. You cannot serve two masters. We will love one and hate the other, or we will cling to one and despise the other. It is impossible to serve both God and self. Impossible. There are many self-proclaimed Christians in the world, would you agree, who have not owned the truth wholly and completely. There are many who have found the great pearl. I might be, I might be talking to you today. There are many who have found the great pearl, but instead of selling everything that they have to purchase that pearl, they just add to their collection, right? To the already existing. Think about that story. Why did the merchant sell everything that he had to obtain that pearl? Do you think maybe that he couldn't afford the pearl unless he sold everything that he had? It's one possibility. I don't think so. I think he, he was, you know, he, he did that for a living. He went to search out beautiful pearls and he probably had some money, right? But when he found the pearl of great price, the only pearl, he sold everything. Why? Because nothing else even amounts to the pearl of great price. Why even have anything else, right? Jesus said, if you're gonna follow me, hey, in if, you, if you're gonna follow me, I want you to hate your mother and your father. What are you, whoa, what are you saying, Jesus? Hate my mother and father. What do you mean by that? Well, in as, I want you to love me so much that when you say I love my parents, it's, it's, it's so much, your love for me so far supersedes your love for anybody else that it could be looked at as I hate, right? My love for God is so strong, I will, I will do anything for God. Peter said, I'll lay down my life for you, Lord, Right? And Jesus turned to him and said, no, you'll deny me three times. And we've, we've said that to him. Lord, I'll lay down my life for you. I'll give my life to you, right? But Jesus says, how much do you love me, right? Are you renting or are you owning? Jesus wants you to own this faith today. Amen. Amen. He's speaking to my heart. I know he's speaking to your heart today. Okay, I get it. I get it, Brother Joe. I get it. I'm supposed to own my faith. How am I supposed to do that? 
How am I supposed to do that? John chapter two, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but you don't have to. I'll read it anyway. John chapter two, and I'll read in the KJV. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Mary approached Jesus and said, Lord, we have a need. We have a need. The, the wedding party is out of wine and they're, they're going to be unable to serve the guests, right? We need wine. And Jesus said, so? So? What does that have to do with me? Essentially what Jesus was saying. He said, my hour is not yet come. And you may feel like the Lord is looking down on you right now and saying so. So? We, we don't really want to voice that, right? We don't really want to admit that sometimes. But sometimes we feel like, Lord, I've really been praying. I've really, I've, I've really, I've, I've presented this to you over and over again. I need a miracle from you. And sometimes you may feel like the Lord is saying, so? He's testing you. Do you want to rent or do you want to own? The crowd followed Jesus and Jesus turned to him and said, you guys aren't following me because you want me, because you want anything to do with me, Right? You're following me because you want to see a miracle, right? Do you want the bread or do you want the provider? Amen? And Jesus looked at Mary, his mother, and said, so what? And Mary didn't, the Bible, it doesn't say in here, but Mary, that in the very next verse, turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Wow. Wow. The faith of Mary. I mean, Jesus, the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-supreme God, says no. And you think if Jesus says no, all right, that's my answer. Right? But Mary didn't even, the Bible doesn't say that she even responded to him. She just turned to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you to do. Wow, what great faith. Well, what if he doesn't tell us to do anything? What do we do? And so there were six jars, and you probably know the story well. There were six, six uh, big jars that had about 25 gallons each in them, a ceremonial cleansing for the Jews, they, basically dirty water. They would come in and wash, right, before they would eat and partake. And Jesus said to the servants, go fill those up to the brim. Go fill them up. And the servants went and did as he said. And we don't get any... We don't get anything in here that, that the servants talked back or maybe, you know, said, what? Right? That doesn't make sense, Jesus. I don't, we don't get any of that there. We just see that the servants did what he told them to do. Right? Just do what he tells you to do. But wait, wait, God, wait. <laughs> and here's where, we get, here's where we get caught up, right? Because we get caught up in ourselves. But Lord, what am I going to look like if the miracle worker doesn't perform the miracle? What am I going to look like? Right? What am I going to look like if I pray for my friend on the job and seemingly nothing happens? What does that make me look like? See, we get caught up in ourselves and we're not seeing the big picture. Just do what he tells you to do. Amen. And if you do what he tells you to do, you're not responsible for the outcome. He's responsible for the outcome, right? Amen. You, growing up, you had to listen to your parents. Everybody had to do it, right? You had to obey. And, if you, and didn't you hate hearing, because I told you so? 
Well, why, why are you telling me to do that? Why? I want an answer. Well, because I told you so. <laughs> That's not good enough, right? But it is good enough because I have the authority to raise you in my house and feed you, right? So it's good enough. And what I say goes. And Jesus says, I am your father. And whatever I tell you to do, just do it. You're not responsible for anything else that happens. Just do what I tell you to do. Amen? And so, what is the last thing that God told you to do? What's the last thing that God told you to do? Maybe you can think back. Maybe you're thinking, now, it was yesterday. Or maybe it was today. Or maybe it was last week. Could have been months ago. Could have been years ago. What was the last thing that he told you to do? The servants went and filled the jugs up and he said, now take them, take them to the guy who tests the wine, I guess, right? Take them to the wedding coordinator. He didn't say taste it. And we get no indication in scripture that they, and who would want to, right? (laughs) Drink from dirty water, right? These guys have got to be thinking, what in the world is he? I don't get this. It doesn't, and this is his first recorded miracle. So it's not like they've seen Jesus do anything like this before, right? They haven't seen anything like this before. They had to be thinking, what in the world? And that's what we think sometimes. What in the world? As, as a dear brother uh, taught this morning, what a fantastic teaching that was. But it doesn't make sense what he's telling me to do. It doesn't make sense. And he says, I didn't ask you if it makes sense. Just do what I tell you to do. And so we have no indication from scripture that they, that they drank of the wine before they brought it, that they tested it, and they just brought it to the wedding coordinator. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus Christ just told them to fill the water and didn't turn that water into wine? Could you imagine? The servants would probably be beheaded, right, in that day. Could you imagine the servants bringing dirty water as wine? But God, what if you don't perform the miracle? I'm out, Right? What happens if you don't do it? But there was no question in the servants. At least they didn't voice it, right? You may have questions, you may have fears, you may have doubts, but the answer is faith. Because he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that that diligently seek him that diligently seek him. Now we get the first part of that verse right, don't we? Logically, conceptually, we understand, we agree with, yes, I come to you, God, and I know that you are. Amen. And especially if he's ever done anything for you, you know, I know, God, that you're a savior, you're a healer, you're a redeemer. Amen. You're my strong tower. You're my fortress. I can run to you. Amen. And we have that part down pretty well, don't we? But the next part of the verse is where we struggle, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, right? And as I said before, as a preacher's preaching to you, you feel like you're part, you're you're in a crowd. I've been there before, I know. He's preaching to the church as a whole. He's not really talking to me personally. No, I'm talking to each one personally, individually. It's not me talking, it's a word from Jesus Christ. Amen, and it's to you today. And I want you to receive it personally because it's for you and it's for me. I receive it. Amen. So our faith kind of slacks a little bit, right? On this next part of the verse, he's a rewarder of them that diligent. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, God, if somebody doesn't have your spirit, maybe maybe a sinner comes into church and wants to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and believes they can receive it. Absolutely. Amen. You can do it for them, God. Yeah, you can heal my sister who's got cancer. You can heal. You can heal. You can deliver. Oh, but you're not personalizing it, right? Because when we personalize it, and Brother Kylie and I were talking about this yesterday, it requires accountability. Jesus' mother said, just do what he tells you to do. That was a word from God. And when you do what he tells you to do, you're taking accountability, right? Saying, all right, I'm owning this, I'm owning this. And it's hard, it is hard, because it doesn't make sense. As our brother taught this morning, it's against every worldly wisdom, every, every way that a human being should think, right? It's against everything, it goes against the grain. But do what he tells you to do. So what's the last thing that God told you to do? Some of you are thinking about it right now. Because a lot of times what we want 
is the miracle, but we don't want the process, right? The process, God, is really hard. The process requires faith. I have to believe. And Hebrews tells that verse, it speaks what faith is so brilliantly. Believe that he is, we've got that part. And believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. If I seek the face of God, he will come through. It's not just logical. It's not just conceptual. We don't just, okay, I agree with that statement. No, when we really believe something, we take one foot, we, st- we take one step forward, don't we? We start walking towards that promise. I give you an example, and it's, it's pretty easy. If somebody yelled from the back, the church is on fire, right? Those of you who believed it, what would you do? You'd get out as quick as possible, right? It's real simple. When we believe when we truly have faith in a word, we take action. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says. You can't just have some belief in something and not do something. It requires something of you. Faith requires something of all of us. It requires something of me. So what has God told you to do? Well, there are seven recorded miracles in John. And one of these miracles, Jesus, a blind man comes to Jesus, wants to be healed. And Jesus spits in the mud and the clay and puts clay over his eyes. And he wasn't immediately healed. Why wasn't he immediately healed? And what's the purpose of embarrassing me and spitting and putting stuff on my eyes? I don't get that. Naaman had the same problem in the Old Testament. No, this guy, this prophet's not going to tell me to go wash in a dirty river seven times. And his servant had a word from God, right? Just as Mary had a word from God to the servants. Naaman's servant had a word from God. If he had required something great and awesome and majestic, you would have done it. But he's, instead, he's requiring something so simple that's maybe beneath you, that you don't understand, that your carnal mind can't get, right? But he's not asking you to understand it. He says, go wash, He tells the blind man, go wash. Could have easily just healed the blind man, right? If he wants to spit in the clay, that's fine. Make clay, whatever. If that's how you want to heal me, God, fine. And as as immediately, as soon as you put it on my eyes, I'm healed. That's great. However you want to heal me is cool. No, I don't want to heal you that way. I want you to take the next step. And God wants you to take the next step this morning. Amen. Amen. So the blind man, had he never gone to the river and washed, he wouldn't have been able to see. And some of us are at that decision, that fork in the road right now. Right? We need a miracle. We need God to speak. But God's saying, I've already spoken. What was the last thing I told you to do? Do the last thing I told you to do. If the musicians will come, um, I'm just wrapping up here. What is the last thing I told you to do? Some of you, it's been years. You've been struggling for years. God's not talking to me. I'm still going to come to church, but God's not talking to me. God's already spoken. And if you do what you know to do, God will give you the next step. It's that simple. It's that simple. I know it's hard. I know. It's difficult that when you step out, you're in a place of vulnerability because you're relying on his word. And that's all you have to go on in your situation sometimes. That's just all you have is the word. God, it doesn't make sense what you tell me to do. I don't understand you telling me to go wash at a river. That doesn't make sense. Why can't I just have the miracle? Because I'm trying to get you to go through the process because what it's doing is building your faith in me. If you will just take a step out and do the last thing that he told you to do. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel him speaking to my heart. Can we stand together all over this place? Maybe this is your, maybe this is, you've been in in church for forever. Maybe you were born and raised in church, right? Maybe you've had generations of people before you who've been blessed with this beautiful truth. 
Or maybe this is your very first time in, in a church like this. Maybe it's your very first time. I want you to know, I don't care if you've been in 20 years, 50 years, 70 years, one minute. This word of God is for every person, if you will just believe. And if you will do what God is telling you to do right now, I want to I I talk to you just for a second, those of you who are new, those of you who are new to this. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to let you know that's the pearl of great price. That is the pearl of great price. When you find that, you don't have any need for anything else in life. Some of you have tried other things. You've tried most everything, right, that you could try out in the world. And there's no real satisfaction. There's no real answer. There's no contentment in all that you try. You've tried and you've tried and you keep beating your head against the wall. And God is saying, like he told Paul, it's hard to kick against the pricks, right? Quit fighting me. Quit pushing back. Just do what I say. It's really that simple because I promise you the word of God will back you up when you take a step. When you take a step of faith, God will meet you at your point of need this morning. I'm asking you, really, don't wait anymore. Don't wait for the next service. Just don't, don't wait for Wednesday. Don't, okay, don't wait for next Sunday. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Amen, today's the day. Quit struggling against the, the word of God. Quit fighting back. God is calling you. If you just step out by faith, he's got your answer. I'm telling you, there's no need to be miserable. There's no need to live life unhappy, not content right? There's no need for that. All you have to do is do what he told you to do. And he's speaking to your heart this morning. Can we lift our hands? Lord Jesus, we receive your word. Each and every one, God, we receive it from the front to the back. You're speaking, God. You've spoken a word, Lord. I know it. Hallelujah. You gave me this word, Lord. And I may not have preached it, God, just like you wanted. But God, Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.